0: Hi Jonathan Moyne is back again at the Bricks and Mortar Podcast. As you know the Bricks and Mortar Podcast, well that's a podcast about property. If you've got an interest in property buying, selling, renting or investing in property, then stick around and we'll try and float your boat and light your candle. What we're all about is trying to take a sideways look at the property game, so let's get started. This week's show we're going to review where we're at with my attempts to sell my property down at Macrahanish at Rothmar West. We'll give you a little update as to where we've reached there. But the main part of the show this week is all about sole traders. Yep. That's your taxi drivers, your painters, your decorators, your one-man bands. I'm not talking about limited companies and I'm not talking about contractors either. It's your sole traders. And what I'm going to try and tell you a little bit more about is how you can get a mortgage as a sole trader. Before we kick off with the review and the sole trader, I want to talk to you a little bit about where I'm at with regards to getting some traction and some listeners and clicks on the podcast and the website. And what I'm hoping to try and do is to increase the traction. How am I going to do that? Well, I've tied up with a website called Glasgow West End today. I live in the West End. I've always lived in the West End of Glasgow and there is a website called Glasgow West End Today, so do click on that, dub dub dub, Glasgow West End Today, and you'll see that it's a website which is all about living in the West End of Glasgow. So Ian Marland runs that particular website, and I got together with him this week, and we had an natter about how I'd be able to help him and and how he could help me. So what we're going to do is we're going to run some videos, probably six videos are going to be similar to the videos that I've done over the last two or three weeks. I think what we'll do is we'll run through 10, top 10 tips on, on the solicitors, the estate agents, probably do something on buy to let, new build as well. I maybe also do a little bit about networking because I've started to branch out a little. Obviously I've been part of the BNI Business Network International for now on two years and I run the, the educational slot there on a Friday morning and it really has opened my eyes to how networking is done and how you should do networking. So a little bit more about that towards the end of the show but really looking forward to getting these videos done. Uh, Ian certainly sounds and, and when I met him Lovely guy, former Herald uh, editor and also now working with the Evening Times. But this is his, his side hustle, his side project and I'm sure we'll get on great and really looking forward to working with him. So we're going to do six uh, six sets of videos and they'll just be the usual one minute uh, video that we'll do. And I think we're going to do it outside so you'll see me dotting around the West End over the next two or three weeks so do keep an eye out on to that it's dub 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 Glasgow West End today. But before we do all those videos let's talk about sole traders. Do you run your own business? Do you do a bit of cash in hand? What I'm talking about here is not your day contractors Not your one-man bands that have got contracts with an organisation and you can work out a day rate. No, 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 no. And I'm not talking about your one-man limited companies. We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. What I want to talk about is your one-man band. Your taxi driver. Your painter. Your decorator. Your sparky. I'm not just talking about the trades. I fall into that category now that I've jacked in the, the partnership as far as the legals are concerned. I'm now a consultant. And the deal that I've got with the mortgage brokers is very much based upon a consultancy model as well. So how am I and countless others out there going to get a mortgage? It can be quite difficult. And if you think that getting a mortgage is straightforward, I would say to you that, yeah, I think it is pretty straightforward. I think it's pretty straightforward if you get paid on a monthly basis and you can demonstrate that you've got a P60 at the end of the year. But the banks are not so keen on lending money To your sole trader. And I think of all the work that I do for my clients, a huge majority of that work is done for the likes of the sole trader. You see, the sole trader has got that dilemma. And that dilemma is this, that they've all got clever accountants. That's maybe one of the reasons why you decide to go in as a sole trader is to keep the cash coming in, but actually don't pay very much tax. What a great model. You get a fantastic accountant, and he squirrels away there with the books. And on the face of it, you're on your uppers. On the face of it, the tax man is not making much money out of you. And that's great, because you know that the money's coming in hand over fist, but you're not having to pay any tax because you've got a, a smart accountant. Great. But let me tell you, it's not so great when you want to get a mortgage. Because the tables are then turned. The lender wants to see a piece of paper from the HMRC called an SA302. I'll come back to that. He wants to see black and white how much you're earning because he will base the amount that they will lend you on that SA302. They want to see a piece of paper that says this is the amount of money that you are earning and this is the amount of money that you are getting taxed. So the amount of times that I sit down and speak to my sole traders And because they're not paying much tax, they're therefore not able to demonstrate to the lenders that there's a sufficient income coming in for them to afford the mortgage. And that is the dilemma, the huge dilemma that a sole trader has to deal with. So what I would say is that if you're toying with the idea of becoming a sole trader, make sure you remortgage your property before you do that. Or if you're thinking of buying, make sure that you buy before you jack in your job. There's numerous occasions that I've had clients come to me. And one, in fact, I remember said that he wanted to go into property development And I said, well, that's great. I know a lot about property development. We'll be able to help you out. You know, I've got my legal hat on, the mortgages. I've got skin in the game as far as buy to let is concerned. And then he drops the bombshell that he's actually jacked in his job. I said, well, you know, the lender is just not going to be prepared to look at you because the lender will want to see a regular income coming in. And it doesn't matter that you've got a bank account with thousands of pounds in there because the lender is wanting to see a demonstrable income coming in. So if you don't have that demonstrable income coming in, then you're on to plums. You really are on to plums. So, what we're going to talk about here is we're going to talk about three things. And these are the three main points that lenders are looking for. So, first up, you need to demonstrate the income. Okay. Second up, you need to have a period where the income is coming in. And then finally, it needs to be stable. Okay. So, that's demonstrable income, a period of income, and stability. Three core principles when we're looking at the sole trader. So listen, let's kick this off. Demonstrable income. So the demonstrable income will come via your SA302. So you'll go to your accountant, your accountant will, at the end of the tax year, they will then prepare an SA302 for you. And in essence, an SA302 is a snapshot of what, Taxable income you've earned. Okay. And then the lender will look at that and they will crunch the numbers as far as affordability is concerned. SA 302, most important thing to be able to demonstrate the income. Now they also may want to see sight of your accounts. Okay. I'll talk a little bit more about limited companies and accounts because sometimes there's a little bit more leeway with regards to accounts for limited companies. But as I say, you need to get yourself a smart accountant and you need to start thinking that if you are looking at trying to get a mortgage, then you need to speak to your accountant and advise your accountant that that's what you're wanting to do. And then what they can do is they'll be able to demonstrate a better income. So that's demonstrable income. And there is that dilemma that clients, that sole traders always face, that they and I know that they've got more than enough income coming in, but it's not taxable income. And that's what the lenders are looking for. Because after all, the lenders are wanting to enter into what potentially could be a 25-year relationship with you. And they need to see a demonstrable income. And as that relationship is going to potentially last for 25 years, they're going to want to see that period of demonstrable income over a number of years. And that's the second issue that the sole trader is likely to face. They need to make sure that they have quite possibly two years accounts available, two years of SA302s. There needs to be that track record. Now there are lenders out there, there's not very many I have to say, Um, one I can certainly think of off the top of my head, who will look at one-year accounts. And what you'll find is that those lenders that are a little bit more lenient with their criteria will not have the most clever rates, okay? Because what they will be saying is that, well, listen, we're taking a little bit of a risk, maybe a big risk, in lending you money based upon one year's accounts. And so therefore, that will be reflected undoubtedly in the interest rates. So you'll be fishing in a smaller pool, as I like to say to my clients. Fishing in a smaller pool. And if you're fishing in that small pool, the chances are your interest rates are going to reflect that and they're going to be on the chunky side. If you can, what you want to try and do is have two years accounts, two years SA302s. And then what you'll be able to do is you'll pretty much be able to go full market. And if you can go full market, then you're going to get the best rates possible. So there we go. That's period of income. You definitely have to have a year, but you might not need to have two years. What you also need to watch with regards to the period of income is changing the way that you wrap your income. So let me explain. You might have the same job, you might have the same work patterns, the same contracts, but you might change from being an employee into a sole trader okay as soon as you change the way that the tax authorities look at how you gain your income then that can put the frighteners on the lenders there's a number of instances that we've faced, um, one that springs to mind where the the gentleman had used, uh, a sort of, uh, I understand that it was an umbrella situation where, in essence, he was a sole trader, but he had put his income through this umbrella organisation and, in essence, the umbrella organisation employed him but in the eyes of of in, well in the eyes of the tax authorities he was an employee and so therefore it was more cost effective as far as his tax treatment was concerned but HMRC have now come out and said no they're not happy with these umbrella companies and so what he's ended up having to do is to revert. In this particular instance, he's reverted to a limited company, but he could have easily gone into uh, continue on as a sole trader. But the lenders are not happy that he has wrapped his business in a limited company, and likewise, he would they would not have been happy had he continued on as a sole trader, notwithstanding the fact that he's doing exactly the same job. And so, in that particular instance. He's been trading for three, four years, but he's only been trading, well, he's only been trading three or four months in this new entity, and the lenders are not taking any recognizance whatsoever about his previous role. And that can be the nightmare. So you need to be very aware that if you're looking for a mortgage, you don't want to be changing how your income is wrapped okay so you don't want to be going from employee to limited company you don't want to be going from employee to partnership from employee to sole trader because that can pose a difficulty and then your one year period may well kick in so that's your period of income let's talk about stability now shall we so what I mean by stability is that the, and this is is obviously very much down to where we've got two years accounts or two years se 302s And what the lenders generally like to do is average the two years out or average the three years out, however many years accounts that you've got. And they're always looking for a, a, a sole trader or a set of accounts to be increasing, okay? Now, if there are blips, or if the trend is downwards, that's never great. And sometimes if the trend is downwards, then the the lenders may just decide, you know what, it's too much of a risk for us. But if you've got two years accounts and and one is, is lower than the other, rather than averaging it out, More cases than not, the lenders are just going to look at the lower figure. Okay, so if you've been trading two years and one year has been good and the other year hasn't been so hot, then they'll base their lending on the lower amount. So that's really important uh, and you need to understand that. So I'm going to wrap that up. Next time round, we're going to talk about contractors and their day rates. They get treated completely differently by the lenders, and it's a lot easier to get a mortgage based upon a day rate. And certainly, you shouldn't, as long as you've got a track record, you shouldn't have to wait for the full year. But this time round, that was a sole trader. You need to demonstrate your income. You need to have a period of income and that income needs to be stable. So we're going to take you on the journey, my particular journey of this year, trying to sell a property that we've got down in Macrahanish, uh, get that sold and then do a little bit of property investing, hopefully in the West End once we can get our hands on the loot after we sell the property down in Macrahanish. Now, MacRahanish property, we've owned probably for five or six years. It's a rambling um, cottage overlooking the sea, overlooking the, the 18th Green at MacRahanish, And it's got about five or six bedrooms. And we go down there for the summer holidays. Girls are now 12 and 14 and we're just not getting the use of it. So rather than it just sitting there, probably best that we decide to sell it and then what we can do is we can use the money that we make from that and invest it in some property flipping uh, up in Glasgow. So that's the idea, uh, try and get the Macrahanish property on the market. So where we currently sit is that we need to get a home report and what I've decided to do is rather than get a home report at the moment, I would rather just get an idea of whether or not we have got any nasties. There's no point, I think, in getting a home report unless you know exactly what the surveyor is going to downgrade your property. If at all, they are going to downgrade your property. And one of the things that I always recommend to clients is to get a pre-survey done. Now, this isn't done by the the surveyor who's going to be doing the home report I tend to like to use a guy called Robert Nickel who runs a company called Argen Property, that's A R J E N. Just type into the Google Argen, A-R-J-E-N, Robin Nickel, and he's done as proud. So he has got his background is he's been with Rent-A-Kill for twenty odd years. He's been out on his own for well over a decade now. And he combines his knowledge and expertise in uh, all things timber treatment with a knowledge, a history and expertise in the building game. And what he will do is he will offer, and I think he is unique. I've not come across anybody else who offers this, but what he will offer you is a free appraisal on your property he will poke around your property as a surveyor will do, and he will say, listen, that's an issue, you've got some rot there, it's a wee bit damp there, the roof's not great, you need some tiles done, gutterings, Uh, and he'll just give your, your property a once over and tell you what your issues are. It then gives you an opportunity of getting those works done And one of the reasons, I guess, that you would want to get those done is that if you don't get them done and the surveyor points them out, you're never, never a good idea going to market with a whole bag load of threes on your home report. So it's a hassle to get the surveyor out. So let's assume that you get the surveyor out. You've got your home report. It uh, shows a bag of threes and you then have to have, you don't want to put it on the market with all those threes, you then get the works done, the surveyor comes back out, you've got to pay him uh, another fee to get the property resurveyed, and it's just a huge hassle. There's obviously a cost implication, but probably the most important thing is down to value. The surveyor is going to go out and he's going to take an impression of the property, based upon what his first thoughts are and if you're selling a property that it's clear to him has not been looked after then he's going to downgrade it isn't he? You know that's just human nature but if you've got a property that on the face of it looks as if it's been well looked after then he's going to be giving you more positive feedback. Well, that's what I think. Uh, So I think that that's so important that if you've got the opportunity to get somebody out, then make sure that you get somebody out so at least you'll know what the surveyor is potentially going to say when you get the home report. You can also use him, just as an aside, you can also use him for his for buying properties, and certainly when we're going to start doing the flipping up in Glasgow, then that's certainly the intention is to get Robin to do a once-over. Not that you don't trust what the surveyor says uh, in the home report, but always good, I think, to get a second opinion, just to make sure if uh, what the surveyor is saying is, in fact, uh, the, the truth. So I would always get a report from Robin when I'm buying and this time round, because we're selling, I'm certainly going to get that report from him. We had Jimmy Perry, uh, one of my pals from BNI, out as well. He had a, a look at the roof just to make sure that there were no issues there. So I'm just really waiting for Robin to come back with his, his report and then we can take it on from there. I guess once you've got the report, then... Ultimately, if your goal is just to sell the property, you might just decide, you know what, I'm not going to bother doing the work Um, because the amount of hassle um, as against the uplift in price. It's maybe not worth your while and you may decide just to plop it on the market just with uh, all warts and all, so to speak, or you might decide to get the work done and then pop it on the market. I think we'll just wait and see what the valuation has and then we'll make a decision as to what we want to do. So in moving forward, um, as far as timescales are concerned, really trying to get, I think, that probably on the market around about April time, April, May, um, just at the start of the summer season. And then what we'll try and do is we'll hopefully try and get it shifted in, in the summer. We had our usual call from the Germans um, the the Germans always come and visit us. There's a, a lovely German couple who we've owned the property, it must have been six or seven years now, lovely German couple who come over and visit us in June and stay the whole of June. So we're certainly wanting to uh, take advantage of that before we sell the property. And just as an aside, uh, I remember when I was down there first, I think we bought it in the March, And I was down there pretty much every weekend giving it a lick of paint and doing a few bits and bobs just to make sure that it was tiggity-boo for the rental market. And when we was down there in in April, and in fact it was May, beginning of May, um, we had this knock on the door and it was this German woman and she demanded that um, she rent the house from us. And I said, well, well, hold on here, I don't know you, madam, I don't know who you are. And then she obviously explained that she had, she and her husband had rented the property uh, that we had just bought from the previous owners over the last five or six years. And they had come over, obviously hadn't got my number because they didn't know what my number was because we'd just bought the property and they'd still come over, stayed at an alternative property but she'd knocked on the door and demanded that they rent the property for the following year. So they did do that, they they paid for the whole month of June which is fantastic um, and every year I've fielded a phone call from her in the first week in February and Betty is the, the woman's name. Um, English is fantastic and uh, we have a, a good laugh with uh, with Betty and uh, I'm always looking forward to my interactions with Betty. So there, there you go. She phoned this week and, uh, yep, she's coming back over. So it will be good to see her and I'll have to break the news that she maybe will be needing to speak to a new owner for next year's. Um, I'll probably need to put, pop that in the message So that's a bit of an aside as far as the the Germans are concerned. Moving forward, once we've got the property sold, then uh, probably next week I'll tell you a little bit about the strategy as to what we're going to do moving forward. I guess the three strategies that you've got when you buy a property is you can flip it. That's to say you buy it cheap, you do the place up and uh, you do some renovations, and you just take the money and move on to the next project. You can buy to let it, which is what I've done in the past, just keep hold of it for capital and an income play, or what's probably happened over the last three or four years since Airbnb have happened, is that you can do an Airbnb, that's to say you don't go down the short term, six month short, ter- short term, short assured tenancy, but you go an Airbnb model and it is certainly something that I've begun to hear a lot about in Edinburgh and it's beginning to creep through here in Glasgow. So next week, that's what we'll talk about. We'll talk about the strategies moving forward with regards to the purchase, but in the meantime, I need to get back in touch with Robin and see where he is with that report. Okay, that is that. Is this week's show. Um, hope you enjoyed that one. Certainly we're going to continue on with the updates as how we're getting on with Macra Hanish. And next week I think we'll probably talk about contractors and what the issues they face when they're trying to get a mortgage. So I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, we're moving forward and I'm pleased to say it's it's really good the traction that we're getting now on the podcast. I think I've joined a number of Google uh, groups and uh, that's now beginning to, to bear some fruit. Um, I'm also on the lookout for some speaking gigs. As I alluded to earlier in the podcast, I am the educational coordinator of the uh, Sunrise Chapter of the Business Network International, the BNI. Um, And I do uh, educational slot each Friday and I've now been doing that for the best part of a year. And I think I've garnered sufficient knowledge in connection with the networking space that I would be a good gig for anybody who is looking for me to speak to any of your employees as to the dark art of networking Uh, as I say, probably be able to give you uh, an hour, uh, an hour's chat. I know that the solicitors out there, accountants, etc. have to undergo CPD. Uh, More than happy, given the fact that uh, I'm just starting out on this road, more than happy to give you uh, a talk for that, for gratis, free, um, just to see how it goes. So if you were at all interested in hiring my services for an hour's chat on networking with your staff, then please do get in touch with me. Best to get me in touch. Uh, You can catch up with me on LinkedIn. Just type in Jonathan Williams and you'll see my ugly mug pop up. Or you can get me through the usual channels. We're on the Facebook and just put in group, join the group, the Bricks and Mortar podcast. You can email me Best emails probably Jonathan Williams at begleybrown.co.uk. And then we're on the Twitters. You can join up on the Twitters at J underscore BB. But the best way to get in touch with me is probably the email. Listen, I'm going to sign off now. I'm off to go for a swim. The Ironman, half Ironman training's going well. We're on week three. Uh, I'm now off for a swim. I've got to crack out 40 lengths, 1,200 yards. Uh, I've already done my eight-mile run, so feeling very good. Didn't miss a workout this week. You've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. You know what? That's a sideways look at property.